0: Bloody Elbow presents the 6th round post fight show, which gives you a rundown and full analysis of the bouts that took place on this weekend's UFC event. Hey
1: everybody, welcome back to the 6th round post fight show with me, Zane Simon, and my co-host, Eddie Mercado. We're coming to you guys directly from the end of UFC Vegas 68, going down at the Apex facility in Las Vegas, Nevada, headlined by a heavyweight bout. Between Sergey Spivak and Derek Lewis on a fight card that, uh, it, you know, I get Spivak. At least he made that fight like done in a hurry. I think that's about the biggest oh, yeah. thing I'm gonna say about this card.
2: I mean, especially for me because I'm on the East Coast, so yeah. it's 3:30 a.m. right now, and I was dreading just a boring slog of a main event. Yeah going five rounds and just being awful. But man, Spivak wasn't messing around.
1: He put a clinic on Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis has not looked. This is a dude. Derek Lewis is a dude who's gotten taken down all throughout his UFC career. Him getting taken down. No surprise, uh, especially given how much Spivak likes to wrestle, but he has not been run over on the mat like that since Daniel Cormier. Yeah. You know, that's it, the only other it, submission loss of his career.
2: This is the best Spivak has ever looked, honestly. Yeah. He looked like a, a heavyweight contender.
1: Mm-hmm. Can
2: he repeat this kind of performance against someone who isn't in the space that Derek Lewis is?
1: Yeah, that that's kind of the thing, is that going into this, my, my big feeling on this was like, this is the this has become suddenly a do or die fight for Derek Lewis because Sergey Spivak is the kind of guy that he never used to lose to at all. He would get you. He would get laid on for you know two rounds and four minutes and fifty seconds and get up and land one bomb that would knock the other guy <laughs> out. It wasn't it, it wasn't great game planning or anything, but. He didn't lose to guy to low powered grinders, right? He did, and so for Spivak to just go out there and suddenly be looking like you know NCAA Division One ch- champ, Sergey Spivak, yeah, it it does beg the quest. It do- well ask the question: is there is this a, a thing that Sergey Spivak can go out and do to somebody like Cyril Gon, or? to, uh, you know, uh, Tom Aspinall or Curtis Blades, or is this just a Derek Lewis thing?
2: Well, he damn sure is not going to do it to Curtis Blades. And hard to see him doing it to an Aspinall for sure. Um, But, I mean, it is a a pretty unique style. I will say that. I,
1: I will say I am absolutely in love with the idea of a heavyweight who religiously pursues upper body trip takedowns. Yeah. Because that is one of those things like we just saw, I'm I'm sure you saw it uh, earlier today too. Uh, We saw the end of Fedor's career.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The last emperor made his last stand.
1: That, that was a big technical part of Fedor's game. And he even, you know, in the rare times he talked about anything with enthusiasm he even talked at one point about how he felt that, like, upper body trips are the way to go with heavyweight. You don't you don't want to shoot in on these huge dudes and have them sprawl on you. Like, yeah. clinch them up, body lock them, hit that trip, because they're all top-heavy, you know?
2: Man, and he fought some monsters out in Pride. He fought monsters. He did. <laughs> he's he's always been an undersized heavyweight. Mm-hmm. So for, for him to be as effective as he was in the grappling. And even if he got rocked, I watched the Fujita yeah. fight recently and, and to see him get wobbled and still have the peace of mind to clinch up and be so strong there and so instinctual there to uh, to just be able to thrive and survive is, man, I was yeah. sad, man. I'm not going to lie. I was <laughs>
0: yeah. I was sad
2: to see fade go. Like happy and glad it's over. But, man... Yeah, I,
1: mean, I will say you know credit to Fedor, credit to his management, credit to him for knowing what fights he wanted to take and all that kind of stuff because he was in a he was in a place uh, about the honestly kind of about the Brett Rogers fight, but you know more decidedly certainly by the uh, Fabio Maldonado fight in 2016, Mm. he was in a place where it was like, I don't need to see more Fedor fights. I don't, you know, I, I don't want this anymore to watch Fedor struggling to barely win a very questionable majority decision over Fabio Maldonado. And he fought... For another seven years and only lost three times. Each one of those losses was by immediate knockout. But he kept, you know, he kept himself in headlining, meaningful, interesting fights that people wanted to see and showed up for for a decade past his prime. And uh, he didn't lose a bunch of them. Yeah, I mean, he was
2: knocking fools out in the first round. Like Frank Mir, yeah. like Chael Sonnen, Rampage yeah. Jackson. Like these are, you know, the who's who. And you can't even be like, well, look at where they were at in their career. Like, what are you talking about? He was in his 40s doing this.
1: Yeah, like <laughs> these are the kind, he took the he, You know, it's good to see somebody like him. If he's going to keep fighting, take all the take all the right fights. Yeah. Take the kind of fights that make sense, that are fights that people are like, oh, yeah, I kind of want to see that. I'll, I'll watch Fedor versus Rampage. Sure. You know, I don't care that they're both old and out of shape. That seems like a fight yeah. that should happen at some point. And so it did. And, you know, whatever. So, so to this this felt, for
2: me, this felt a lot like Shogun's retirement fight. How, like, it, it was like a soft beating Yeah. It's like, yeah, he lost, clearly lost. Fight should have been stopped. It was going to get really bad, Yeah, but it was stopped at the perfect time to where, you know, Emelianenko could still enjoy his little after-fight ceremony, enjoy his retirement.
1: Yeah, they're not carrying him out of the cage. It, It was definitely a... He's in a really bad position. He's starting to take damage, and the referee's just stepping in and being like, Okay, this is done. We don't need this anymore. So he's still the greatest heavyweight of all time. Yeah, I, I pretty much agree. You know, you can, you can, you there's can. There's no close. You can deep dive on like, oh, what parts of his record were really meaningful? What parts aren't? Yada yada yada. But there's never been another heavyweight who so consistently has felt like the best guy. You know. Yeah, we've had other guys. Ganu had a he had, he had a moment, and he might he might keep that moment going, but it's not going to be against. You know, it's going to be outside the UFC. It's going to be this whole weird I'll,
2: thing. I'll go one step further. There aren't even enough big names at heavyweight for someone to even try to yeah. compile the same sort of resume. That's true. That Fedor has, yeah. like this was a time when i mean heavyweight was the division and that's just yeah. where the sport was and fedor fought everybody like everyone yeah
1: so that was that was definitely the night's biggest event so i'm glad we're taking a little moment to talk about that and yeah uh give the man a a a, a salute as he rides off into the sunset and uh yeah, I mean, really, kind of the end of it is actually does feel like the end of an an, an era, really, is like the last star that was made in Pride. Yeah. To Pride has
2: something. officially died, man. Yeah. Like it, it felt like watching the the, the series finale of MMA.
1: Yeah. <laughs> now it's just UFC. Now, it, yeah, now it's just syndicated, it's a spin off show now. But uh, anyway, back to this UFC card. Uh, Sergei Spivak absolutely demolished Derek Lewis. And just like one of those things where, yeah, okay, most of it was just takedowns. There's some ground and pound in there, but most of it was just takedowns. But those takedowns all looked like they really hurt a lot. Yeah.
2: Lewis was landing on his face, dropped on his head. Yeah, and that that initial hip toss was just demoralizing.
1: Yeah, and that was something too that like Lewis has nobody but but himself to blame for that because he clinched up with Sergei Spivak. like yeah, he he they got to get close together and Lewis tried to 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 put hands on him and control him, and that's you know. Everything that happened from there—that's entirely you instigated that whole problem
2: for yourself. Yeah, and you know, Spivog, thats his M.O. That's what yep. he does, and it looks like he's getting pretty damn good at it. And again, it's Derek Lewis, so hard to hard to gauge it, but he passed this test with flying colors. Indeed.
1: Before I take a second here, before we jump over to our co main event, just to give our, our uh, the sixth round vivisection uh, bloody elbow Patreon a plug. Oh,
2: yeah, 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 yeah.
1: If you're a fan of the sixth round, if you're a fan of the vivisection, if you're a fan of the MMA Depressed Us, basically, if you're a fan of the shows that I host, uh, I have a Patreon that I've started to support not only myself but Eddie and uh. Connor and our producers and all that. So if you've been a long time, any long time listeners to the show, new listeners to the show, whatever, there'll be a link below this on the YouTube. There'll be a link over on Bloody Elbow. We'll probably throw it in our uh, you know SoundCloud for the post for the thing too, and of course over on my, you can find a link pinned to my Twitter bio at the Zane Simon over on Twitter. So anyway, quick plug for that and we'll move on now to a light heavyweight bout devin clark daun jung and a good rock solid showing up plugging away performance for devin clark the kind of performances he always tends to put together win or lose and a miserably god awful performance from daun jung really bad <laughs> uh
2: yeah he um he didn't bring, <clears throat> excuse me, he didn't bring the right sort of funk to breed, to beat Clark. You He's, gotta catch Clark in some weirdness. You gotta explode in some weird kind of transition and catch him, catch him with some unorthodox, something that would never ever work, but it
1: does. Or even just like, you gotta like be out, you're out there, you know, Daewon Jung is like four inches taller at least. He's got a big reach advantage. He, Clark is no kind of range striker. Sit outside, plug him with your jab, low kick him, pop the one twos. He will get wild and flustered. You know, Asmat Mirza- Mirzakanoff is like, how tall is he? It's like, I think he might even be under six feet tall. And he basically just pieced Clark up from the outside in their fight. And Jung yeah, came he's out. He's also
2: a monster, though.
1: I mean, he's he's good. I'm not saying he's not good, but Daun Jung, he came out there and he tried to. He's five. He's five foot ten, and down Jung came out there and he tried to lay on Devin Clark, just clinching him against the cage, hanging on him, draping him. Just the ugliest fight, and man, it sucked.
2: No, best-case scenario for Clark.
1: Yeah. That's absolutely. exactly
2: the kind of fight he wants, the kind of fight he
0: needs.
1: Yeah, and... he's got a great gas tank. He's strong. He's going to keep... If you <sighs> give him a physical tie-up kind of fight, he's going to keep working all the time. Yeah,
2: he did try to out-Devin Clark, Devin Clark.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was just a miserable fight from da <laughs> Jung. Really, you know, I guess maybe that that loss to... Dustin Jacoby really put a, put a fright into him, put an overcorrection into him because he was talking about how, like, or the booth was talking about how, oh, you know, Jung says he didn't, he kind of got too cocky and didn't respect. Uh, um, Jacoby. Yeah. Jacoby. And now he wants to be like more careful and more considered and all that. And it's, you know, did he, Did he try to become the capital T MMA technical where it's like, oh, well, now instead of doing fun, aggressive things, I'm just going to try doing nothing. And that'll really that'll really stymie my opponent and slow him down. Yeah, that's
2: that's those kind of adjustments always bother me. They're red flags. They are. It's it's a that's not what got you here. Yeah, it's like um. Alexander Hernandez. hmm
1: hmm
2: Same kind of, uh, you know, once bitten, twice shy kind of mentality. Yeah. That, I mean, doesn't bode well for fighting. You know, no. boldness is awfully rewarded in
1: fighting. And especially at light heavyweight, too, where everybody is a big, right? powerful athlete. And if you're just going to give them a bunch of time and space, mm-hmm. they will take a hard fight to you. They will hurt you, you know? So it was... This was a bad turn up for Dion Jung. I'm not saying he can't course correct or something. It's just two losses back to back. But Clark was a fight there for the taking. And the moment he th- tried that sacrifice throw in the first round and just tr- dragged Clark right on top of him. It's just like, oh, man, something's wrong here. Yeah. Uh, man, he was winning the round up until that point. Yeah. And ev- everything went wrong in the fight after that. Yeah. So, good win for Devin Clark, bad night for Dahyun Jung. Brings us to a heavyweight bout, Marcin Tybura, Blagoy, Ivanov. And um, this fight is better than I thought it would be. I'll give it that. I, I really thought that it would be a clinching grind fest where nobody got anything really of any significance done. But instead, it was a heavyweight, Th- two rounds of kickboxing and one round of Marcin Tybura just absolutely blanketing Blagoje Ivanov on the mat.
2: I mean you really have to credit Tybura for making this fun. Mm-hmm. I mean it, it it was his his heavyweight stick and move style mm-hmm. that was was keeping it from 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 being a grueling slog. I mean he would you know he would leap in with his Classic one two and then come with the liver kick and then do this kind of awkward trot out of range and mm-hmm. Lagoy would try to, you know, close the distance and come forward and Tybor would do the same thing. Leap in, land a couple straight strikes, hop back out.
1: And then Donald Jung, where like Marching Tybora that you're playing your game. You yeah. Know?
2: Yeah. Come on. And and then I mean the five Q just went through the roof in the third for Tybura. Yeah. Like Wasted no time. Do not pass go. Do not collect two hundred dollars. Shoot this takedown. Catch Ivanov with his pants down, and then just totally own him for five minutes.
1: Mm-hmm. Works got him a win. I don't know that it'll get him a big fight, but he did. Call, he had a call out ready. He called out Jerzino Rosenstreich. The UFC probably, especially, likes booking a fight like that because it was a fight that they had apparently already planned to book that fell apart. Which means that they probably had agreements in place for both fighters to fight each other already, which makes mm. everything a lot easier. Sure. strikes coming off a win, Tybura's coming off a win, seems like an easy booking to make.
2: Yeah, and the call out, just yes, just the cherry on top. Sure. Yeah.
1: All right, that brings us to our night's controversial moment: Duho Choi, Kyle Nelson, Choi. Uh, You know, this was was kind of an awkward fight all the way through. Choi started out round one, landed a few calf kicks. There were a lot of grappling scrambles where nobody really got anything done. I gave Choi the first round because he got, like, a guard pass and a good attacking moment late in the round or something, and he had the calf kicks. And then round two, Nelson... Clubs Choi looked like he really hurt him for a minute, and I I thought there was another fight, another moment that round two where he actually froze him with a punch for just a second again. Choi though bounces back, fights through it really hard, and potentially, depending on how you want to score it, took that round back one like three quarters of the round. I would say just got, but he got hurt worse. So right. I'm not at all surprised that the round was scored against him. I scored it against him. I could see it both ways. Whatever. That's not the controversy. Round three, Choi's on top. He's doing work. He's got this fight seemingly in control. And he's in guard. Nelson grab has both of his arms locked up. And I don't know if Choi was just trying to pull his arms free, as some people are claiming. I don't know if he just had a a massive brain fart moment in the middle of the fight, but he pulls back and drops back down and headbutts Kyle Nelson pretty clearly right on the forehead. Yeah, I I, I would stand by it like I don't know whether you you, you can't actually ever really judge intent for anyone there's no way to see inside somebody's soul in the moment even if they said oh i intended to do it that's only you know you, you can never truly know in the moment what somebody was thinking but i don't i think that that was a perfectly justified point deduction
2: yeah i mean it's it was a headbutt right
1: it's a headbutt like no no doubt or
2: It was a clash of heads initiated by Duho Choi.
1: Yeah. The thing is, is that... know just laying there. (laughs) Exactly. There's a lot of... There are people like, oh, well, people clash heads all the time. What are we going to take a point every time? It's like, there's a huge difference when you are on top of somebody in their guard. Their position relative to you is entirely controlled by you and your body. So... If I mean, this is why, like, I tell people you can't ever – don't ever – you know, you'll never see a fight called or a ref call strikes to the back of the head when somebody's standing up. Because if you're out at range and punching and somebody turns their back on you and you punch them in the back of the head, that is entirely the person who turned their back's fault. You're never supposed to turn your back on somebody. And if you have two people coming together, standing, and they clash heads – that is a, it it is a mutual accident caused by the movement of both people. Refs will give a lot of leeway for that. But if you're on top of somebody in their guard and you rear up and you drop your forehead onto their forehead, like, y- even if you didn't intend to headbutt them, that is a clearly you have to be in control of your weapons situation. And... Yeah. I'm glad the ref just made a call. Yeah.
2: That's like, good. On, that's his job. Exactly. That's a tough call. In the moment, it's a hard call too to take the point. You know, that's not an easy thing for the ref to decide to do. Um I mean, was the headbutt <clears throat>
1: effective at
2: all in terms of damage? Uh,
1: it probably didn't have a big impact on the fight. It was just incredibly blatant is the thing. Yeah. It's, it's where you can't Look at it and call it incidental, because Duho Choi is enti- entirely in control of the position. He is entirely in control for all of the action that brings his head back and drops it on Kyle Nelson. You know?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say Duho Duho meant to headbutt anybody, yeah. but it happened and it was his fault. Like, yeah, it is what it is.
1: Yeah, you got to take the point and. You know, it, uh, it oh, sucks. Oh, you know what? You we should, did we already
2: mention that the fight was scored a majority draw?
1: Yeah, yeah. The fight was, as a result, scored a majority draw. They took the point. That, that pivotal second round, two judges gave it to Nelson. Only one judge gave it to Choi. So you have a 29-27 on one card and 28-28 on the other two judges' cards. Well, I'll just say one more thing about this. Mm -hmm.
2: So I would much rather be talking about the referee taking a point for the headbutt than talking about Duho getting away with it and nothing happening.
1: Yeah, I would, too. Like so it it, to me, it's just one of those situations where, you know, it's And I guess, you know, you could say it wasn't, I don't think a point was deducted for this, so it sucks to say it, but to me, it's like Michael Chandler fishhooking Dustin Poirier. Like, yeah, it's just a really obvious foul that should have had a point deduction automatically, you know? And you could say, oh, it's incidental, his hand slipped in his mouth, I don't know, or whatever you want, but... That kind of, it's a it is a you have to be in control of your weapons kind of foul. And when you are absolutely in control of where your opponent is relative to you, that becomes intensely important. So that's my little rant about that fight.
2: Otherwise it's, fair play. it's fair play.
1: Yeah. Otherwise, I'm just glad Duho Choi didn't get knocked out because he almost got oh, knocked out. Man,
2: I was thinking that too. Yeah, I was like, he'll probably win, and I picked him to win. But I was like, man, my heart will break if I have to watch Fedor get, you know, finished, and then Duho comes out and gets sparked by Kyle Nelson.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, my heart it, couldn't if, bear the strain. <laughs> i if I'm if I'm Duho Choi's trainers and like family and everything, the if I'm the people around him, I would be like. Dude, you need to take a hard look at this fight because you got hurt really bad by like one of the few clean shots your opponent landed on you. You know? Yeah. There. It was not, it was still not a very good showing for Choi. He he bounced back through adversity. He still got a bunch of really diverse offensive tools. He still has a lot of fun in his fighting style, but it feels like featherweight is full of guys that will not only land that shot Nelson landed, but 10 more, you know.
2: And it's like you look at the Korean zombie and and he was he's you know, he takes shots, he gets hit, but he just does such a much such a. A better job of of absorbing them and dealing with it, and not not getting stunned in those moments where like the light flickers for a second.
1: Yeah, it's uh, you know it's scary because choice the the in the cage mileage on him. Well, he's been through some heavy wars, so the in the cage mileage on him is a lot higher than you'd necessarily you know think for the six of the 19 fights he's had over his career and that's with time off yeah but even with a lot of time off it just doesn't seem like the durability that rode him through that cub swanson fight is going to be there for him and without that he's you know he's had years to train and work on his defense and it's not enough to just not eat a huge overhand right from kyle nelson so, I don't know. It was a weird fight. Weird overall. I'm happy enough with the draw, and I'm happy that Duho Choi didn't get knocked out, even if he feels a little robbed. Anyway, I'll jump over to the to a welterweight bout. Adam Fugit, Yasu, Yusaku Kinoshita, and a pure prospect derailing fight for uh, Kinoshita. Yeah, he was a lot of hype coming into this. He was favored.
2: Um, Fugit just wanted it. Yeah. (laughs) He just wanted it, man. Like, he had to go through a little bit of adversity, but, man, he made the most of it, of of his top position. And, dude, those elbows were ferocious.
1: They really were. Yeah, I mean, it was... It's kind of hard for, it's weird to see coming right off the back of that uh, Jubilee-Saragi fight. But Kinoshita, like, the wrestling game was just not there. The get-up game was strong, but the actual, like, I recognize this shot as it comes at me and I know how to defend it game, or I'm on my back now and I know how to get out of this. Those parts were very lacking for him. And Fugit, yeah, he he absolutely knew how to take over given that kind of advantage.
2: Yeah, I think we saw a lot of uh, a lot of clinch work tonight. A lot of a lot of people working working their clinches up against the cage. It's like a common theme throughout.
1: Oh, we've just got word from our uh, producer as well. Dana White has uh, apparently he felt that the point deduction that I am happy to defend uh, was insane and paid Choi his, uh, his win money, which, Oh, well, that's good. It is. I'm glad Choi gets his win money. That's nice. But if you're going to give Choi his win, win money, you should give Kyle Nelson his win money too. Cause it's a draw. Like, you sure. know, don't, don't cheap out on the other guy just cause you thought that the, uh, if you're gonna pay, if you're gonna pay a guy for a draw, pay them both, you know. Well,
2: I think he's saying if the point wasn't deducted, Choi would have won, so that's well, why he,
1: he's paying. And, and it's true, he would have, but like, still, I still think that's bullshit. Like, pay Cal Nelson too, you know. I I don't know. I think it's I think I I like that Choi got paid, but if you're gonna if you're gonna be splashing out to, at a guy for getting a draw like pay, pay the other guy too. I don't know. Uh, otherwise also apparently white has said that Derek Lewis is still sticking around and being a highlight performer for the UFC. So who knows how, how, how much truth that will actually carry down the road, but you know, Lewis has certainly earned his stripes in the UFC. So Yeah. I'm happy to see him keep getting paid. Uh, That brings us to our lightweight road to the UFC final. Kind of uh, already prefaced this one a little here. Anshul Jubilee putting on an absolute wrestling clinic on Jekka Saragi, who uh, did not know how to grapple at all. No, he was... uh... He knew how to
2: lay on his back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, he uh no kind of get ups, no kind of sweep attempts, no sub attempts. Um just seemed uneducated. Yeah. I'm actually surprised he lasted as long as he did on the ground.
1: Mm-hmm. He's a tough guy, and like he's got physical attributes, he's got power, he was willing to attack off his back and all that the hearts there, but there's clearly j- was just a massive gulf missing in his MMA education. So,
2: yeah, that's a that's a there's a steep learning curve there. If you want yeah. to like be in the UFC and you can't get up,
1: yeah,
2: or even like show glimpses of knowing how to get up.
1: Yeah, like Kinoshita, his grappling game was also. Not good, but he was at least able. He was able to get up a bunch against Fugit and, you know, make it hard to get him to the eventual position that that killed him.
2: Right. I mean, you can at least see, like, yeah, there is, there is the wheels are turning. This isn't just someone completely clueless down there. Yeah. But, you know, so this is that's a hard lesson to learn. Yep.
1: Great one. Pound Did it you, out for it. Yeah. Yeah. Great win for Jubilee. Second UFC fighter er, from India ever. Hopefully has a much less inglorious end than the first UFC fighter who following, I believe, I think he had two bouts. I'm not going to look it up right now because I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But he failed the drug test almost immediately and then got kicked to the curb. So... A, a, hope, hopefully Jubilee has a much you know, better, longer-lasting career. Looks like he, he's got a good wrestling game. He's got a good grappling game. He showed some good targeted strike boxing skill on the uh, road to the UFC in those fights. So, I, uh, you know, there's certainly room for him to grow there. Otherwise, I guess this would be the other controversy of the night. Lee Jong-young against Yi-ja, and i am very happy that the judges scored it the way they did because lee jung young is a much less polished less technically yeah i'll say less technically skilled less methodical process driven fighter than yi Zha. But he's also like three times the athlete who clearly just hit way harder every time they traded shots. And by the end of the fight, Yijia was actually Yijia did well in the third round. But for the most of the fight, he was just really trying to cling on and make sure that the fight didn't happen. <laughs>
2: right, more of that, more of the 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 wall and stall. Um... Yeah that I was talking about earlier that we kept seeing um but i mean i don't know if it's fair to call it wall and stall cuz i mean we, a lot of guys were trying to get takedowns against the cage but just were failing
1: yeah just failing miserably whatever it is i don't like to see it rewarded you know right. as, as an entertainment product if we and it, it, if you're trying to get to like the pure nature of fighting you want judges to reward Attempt to have the fight, not attempts to not have the fight right you know no, he's fun. Yeah. fun, he's
2: definitely he, fun he's out there banging and definitely like you said, the better athlete and mm-hmm. you know kind of yeah. reminds me of uh, uh what's his, his name uh Punaleli Soriano or something hellie Soriano, yeah, yeah. He kind of reminds me of him without mm-hmm. like the without the wrestling chops.
1: Mhm. Definitely a lot of build a lot to build on for him and uh even if this wasn't the best fight, it's clear that like there's a lot of polish that could go on to improve him by big leaps and bounds pretty quickly because when you're that kind of athlete, stuff comes you can make those kinds of leaps. So stuff can come a lot more naturally pretty fast. He's fun. Yeah. That brings us to a Bantamweight bout, Rinya Nakamura, Toshiomi Kazama, and uh, of all the guys on the road to the UFC path, this event, all that, Nakamura definitely far and away the most polished and prepared looking prospect out there. Mm -hmm. Kazama... You know, all credit to him, because I think he knew he was in for, he, he was in a shitty position. He was even, apparently he was even telling the the UFC and telling the commentary team and all that, that he was quitting MMA if he lost this fight. Damn. So, he was piling all the pressure on himself, knew he, you know, was outgunned, knew he was outmatched. And he just tried to go out there and go absolutely balls to the wall on Nakamura. And just got clean countered all the way through it until he, yeah, he got face planted thirty seconds into round one. Yeah, he wanted to sprint, and that's what he got. Um,
2: turns out Nakamura can uh, handle his own in the fire, and he's got the reflexes and the timing to handle that kind of pace if he has to. Yeah, and man, the accuracy with those with his hands, the counters, like the timing on them, just. Kazama just walked himself right into a knockout
1: loss. He really did.
2: That's uh clean though. I mean clean. I think Nakamura got a, a bonus for that, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, bonuses went to Spivak, Nakamura, uh, Jubilee, and Tatsuro Taira in the opening bout. So nice. Cool. All right, that yes. brings us to the flyweight road to UFC bout and um eh, This is okay. It was it was a good comeback from Park Hyun-sung who I had down two rounds going into the third. Uh he was even, you know, I would say in the second round of that fight, he was he he probably won like two thirds of it, a healthy clip of it, but he was getting hurt. He was the one getting hurt in the the first two rounds. Mm -hmm. And by the end of that second round though, he started to pick up some momentum and he really, uh, you know, he started getting in on grappling against Choi in the third round and uh, got to the the rear naked choke and put him away. And it was, it was a solid showing. It wasn't, I don't know. Flyweight is going to be a tough division on him. It's, I think especially like it's really hard to see more so even than somebody like Jubilee at lightweight where there's, you know, there's a bunch of lightweights that sort of all different levels and you can kind of, you know, pick your spots and get comfortable and have a few fights and whatever. Flyweight is like 40 guys and they're all really – good athletes and high-level scramblers and it's just a tough division to survive if you're a really raw young fighter
2: yeah um yeah just as this fight went on park just kept getting better and better Mm -hmm. and really just found his stride like you were saying in the second that's when he really found his groove and let his and he was just flowing with his strikes and yeah you know he wasn't forcing anything and he was he, with that. He was able to apply the pressure, and you know, Joy tried to go to his wrestling. That was kind of his great equalizer, but ended up being his undoing. You know, yeah. he got out scrambled. One out, he got out scrambled once, and you know, it was just the wrong time. Park took the back yeah. and you know, choked him out.
1: Yeah, not a bad showing. And that brings us to uh, middleweight bout: Park Jun Young, Dennis T Lulin. Or Tululin, apparently, is uh they they pronounce on the on the broadcast. But what fun is that? Just saying Tululin when you've got like all these eyes in there. <laughs> uh
2: eyes, news.
1: Yeah. I want to be like T- full full on Tululin. But uh have at it, Zane. Yeah.
2: Thank you. I need that. We're damn near cancelled anyways. Go for it.
1: Park Jen Young though, I mean, this is This was a hell of a good fight from him. He's always going to have a tough time because he's a 5'10 middleweight. He's not like the biggest, strongest dude out there. Just got to be scrappy, got to be smart. And the moment he got that first takedown, man, he is such a good ground and pound fighter, such a good top control fighter. It's, It's a joy to watch.
2: Yeah, he did a great job of making sure Tululin's hips stayed flat on the mat. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one of the first things I look for. When someone hits the ground on their back, what are their hips doing? Are they laying yeah. flat or are they trying to get on a side? Because if they're getting on a the side, they at least understand that being flat serves you no purpose, no benefits. Uh, and seeing that in the UFC, it's like it's one of the biggest red flags for me. Mm-hmm. Oh, good for Park, man. This was yeah. this was um, a, an excellent matchup for him, man, and he, he, to... he scored scored technical sub here.
1: Yeah, he talked about it post fight too that he trains a lot of ground and pound, and I love to hear it. I love to see it because I definitely, you know, I, I think it's one of those parts of the game that does not get as much technical. Uh, insight and as much technical training as a lot of the other parts of the game. There are a lot of fighters that you hear talk about, you know, like, they really focus on their grappling, they really focus on their wrestling, they really focus on their striking, and the ground and pound is just like, oh, well, it's just striking lying down. So, whatever. You know?
2: Yeah. Not the case in the Dagestani systems. No.
1: And <laughs> Park Jun-young, he really shows, like, this is a dude who trains ground and pound and you can see it. Cause every time he's got a position, he's ready to do damage. All right. And that brings us finally to a flyweight bout to Tatsuro Taira, Jesus Santos Aguilar. And, um, I, you know, the UFC, I, I actually like, they've got a young prospect and they're just giving him a bunch of lateral moves, letting him develop a little. And, Tyra, he ran through Aguilar. That was beautiful.
2: Yeah, this was a, a beautiful slow cook in the first round. Mm-hmm. Like He he plays them smoothly. He lets Aguilar, because, you know, he shoots in, Aguilar jumps his guillotine, an yeah. arm in guillotine. The worst kind of guillotine to jump. Tyra just waits and waits and waits. And it's like, yeah, just keep holding on, keep holding on, blow them arms out and just methodically escaped. He's in full mount. I mean, goes for the beautiful mounted triangle, rolls to his back, switches to the arm bar, goes belly down. I mean, it doesn't get much more gorgeous than that. It really doesn't.
1: And I'm, I'm, you know what, I know I'm kind of a broken soul here, but I will say there's something that is just really, I want to say enjoyable, but like really uniquely like viscerally intriguing to MMA when a guy gets trapped in an arm bar with his other hand trapped so that he can't tap.
2: Mm.
1: And then you have, you know, you had Aguilar out there just like screaming, tap, 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 tap. It's just, it's such an MMA thing. I don't know. It's just, you know, it's it's a brutal way to have a submission go. I'll say that. It really emphasizes the idea that submissions are violent they're not just oh yeah you know it's not just oh i got you in the position and you're gonna tap now because you know you've got no way out no there's some mean ones
2: yeah there are definitely some some mean ones out there oh man who was it tim elliot that tapped with his feet
1: oh god
2: i don't remember who it was someone they're... tapped with their feet they they were caught in a mounted triangle yeah or a mounted on a guillotine and couldn't escape yeah Oh, it's so so gruesome because like you you see the panic, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, man, this badass fighter is panicking. That that must be a horrible situation.
1: Like I say, I don't want to call it enjoyable because that would make me sick in the head. But it is one of those things that is like uniquely, you know, uh, it's a
2: holy shit moment.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is unique to MMA, and like you're just like, oh my god. You know, oh yeah, Tim Elliott, Joe is our producer.
2: Okay, sweet, yeah. Yeah, yeah so. that, that's burned into my brain. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't remember who was doing the choking, but I, I remember who <laughs> was doing the tapping. It's like, what did Biggie say? You're nobody till somebody kills you.
1: <laughs> oh. So yeah. All told, some fun things on this card, some moments to talk about, little bright spots here and there and all that, but it is kind of telling that we got like a minute into the main event and then we're like, man, Fedor, though. Yeah. Yeah, man.
2: And that's another thing. You look at the, the, the heavyweights in this main event, compare them to a prime Fedor. It's not even close.
1: Yeah. I mean. Not even close. Yeah the game has changed, but also, yeah, I, I it's not changed that sure. at heavyweight. <laughs> Hell, yeah. I mean, it is. Yeah. The, the heavyweight divisions, they are, they are heavyweight, light heavyweight, middleweight. Those are your MMA time has kind of stopped here divisions, but yeah, yeah, no, it, it is, you know, Bellator definitely, they got, they got the big card for the night. They got the, the event that, that draws the eyes that had the narratives, that had the story. We got Johnny Elbin out there defeating, defeating or Eblin out there defeating Anatoly Takov to retain his uh, middleweight title and, you know, the moment he did that everybody's, can't, i like, you know Eblin would probably beat uh, Alex Pereira you know? Whoa, 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 whoa slow down. I'm it's, I wasn't saying it, but a lot uh, of saying it. <laughs> Slow down.
2: Edwin's good and all, and he had a great showing tonight. And he has a very unique style that could give Alex some problems, but, I mean, he's never taken a shot, like, from anyone similar to what um, Pereira can dish out, so... It's- i'm not so confident in that
1: i'm i'm not gonna i haven't gone and looked at it and broken it down i'm not gonna about about to put myself out on front street with an opinion here i was just saying these were the things that i was when i was you know watching bellator and watching the oc as the cards were getting going and all that these were the, the things that were out there flying in the ether this was a this was a good night for bellator even yeah. though it ended up on a, a you know All the sadness in the world of what... Oh, no. Their whole card was a banger. But
2: there was only three fights on the main card. But in the prelims, I mean, Darian Caldwell, he lost tonight. That was pretty crazy. Um, Who else was on there? Henry Corrales had a big upset. Mm -hmm. He was a big underdog, cashed in.
1: Lorenz Larkin was on there. Lorenz Larkin had a
2: brutal knockout with that elbow. Carl Brexson, he lost.
1: Yeah. But, yeah, you know,
2: there were some good fights. Yeah, some little well, couple surprises.
1: Some some interesting new, some interesting things for the Bellator card going forward. Some stuff, fun stuff like that. Anyway, we're gonna wrap this up because I got nothing else to say about this UFC card. You can find me on Twitter at the Zane You can find Eddie on Twitter at the Eddie Mercado. You can find both of us over at BloodyElbow.com where we hashtag Save Bloody elbow. We are still uh, pushing on ahead. Vox maybe cutting our contracts and all that but we're we're gonna hopefully take the site independent at the end of the month we'll see things are still up in the air balls to juggle all that kind of stuff but i don't want everybody just thinking that we're dead and gone and as as i said too especially if you if you like if you would be sad about the sixth round going away this is your time to help support it you can find the the it's a slash uh is it patreon.com slash MMA Vivisection. That's for the MMA, MMA Vivisection, the sixth round, The Depressed Us. Support that. You support all those shows. And uh, you know, you can find that on my Twitter bio. You'll find it over on com. You'll find it in the posts for this uh, six for the sixth round, wherever they are. So thanks everyone for tuning in. And we will definitely be back next week for UFC 284, Makachev versus Volkanovsky.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Presents production. To check out more of our content, subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is titled Bloody Elbow Presents. We're also on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Player FM, and Amazon Music. Just search for Bloody Elbow Presents and you'll get brand new shows throughout the week, including Care Don't Care, The Level Change Podcast, The MMA Section, The Sixth Round Post Fight Show, Sixth Round Retro, The MMA Depressed Us, Crooklyn's Corner, Exclusive Fighter Interviews, Show Money, Guest Podcasts, The Hey Not The Face podcast. And radio style play-by-play for every UFC pay-per-view. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow. Facebook at Facebook.com slash Bloody Elbow blog. And as always, on BloodyElbow.com.